morning, everyone. Sorry, just sorting myself out a little bit. I'm so excited to um, be bringing this word. Let me just set myself up because I'm not very ready. And, um, you know, I've had this message on my heart for about three weeks because we prepared this uh, before our trip and, and our holiday. And we've been talking about this for a long time. We've been talking about um, the whole idea of discernment and being able to hear God's voice since basically the start of this year. And so finally, we, we found a, uh, a patch of time that we thought this is the best time to start talking about it. And so I've been preparing basically probably the longest I've ever had it on my heart to, to do a series. And we're calling it Spirit Lead because if we were here for our last series on um, the uh, upper room discourse, uh, we were talking about how uh, Jesus was saying that it's better that we don't have physical Jesus with us, that He ascends to the Father. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, will be given to each and every single one of us who asks for it. And the Advocate is not one who simply is just fighting for our good and, and, and saying, oh, you know, Beck really needs more money. I'm going to advocate for her. No, that's not what this Advocate's about. It's a legal Advocate, uh, in a sense, the Greek word. When Jesus uses the word Advocate, He uses a word um, that means, uh, uh, basically, uh, that it is, uh, where am I going to this? It's teaching us God's ways. Sorry, I'm a bit frazzled. Uh, Teaching us God's ways is, is showing us the legal, if you will, ways of God. You know, when God led the Israelites out of slavery into the promised land, He knew that without His laws and His ways, these people were going to destroy themselves. And so, the giving of the law back then in the Old Testament was actually an act of grace. And in the same way, us as New Testament believers, where Jesus has paid the ultimate price for each and every single one of us, He says that He has come to give us life and life abundantly, which is a key part of our church. We want to inspire people to this life that Jesus has given to us, but there are ways for us to live in that blessedness. There are ways for us to stay and to receive and to abound in the life that God has for us. And therefore, discernment is actually all about learning how to interact with the Holy Spirit, learning how to hear the Holy Spirit. And so the series is about spirit lead. Can we just pray before we uh, move on in this uh, uh, message? God, I just want to pray that you are already here. Holy Spirit, you are speaking to each and every single one of us. And I pray that God, that through this message today, that you are taking us deeper, you are taking us fuller into the life that you have for us. And so God, I want to pray that God, that our eyes are open, that our ears are open, that our heart is open to what you are wanting to say today. And we pray this in your name. All God's people say, Amen. Amen. I think half of you are God's people. That's all right. (laughs) Hopefully, by the end of today, there will be a few more that decide to join in. And that's all right. We're a church. I know that you're here. Maybe you're exploring, and that's totally fine. 
But first, before we move any further, I want to define uh, discernment, because I don't know if it's a word that we really use a lot. And so this is a theological definition. It says that discernment is the sound judgment which makes possible the distinguishing of good from evil and the recognition of God's right ways for His people. It is necessary for the understanding of spiritual realities and on a practical level for right government and avoidance of life's pitfalls. Now, can and I just quickly just say that when we see the word government here, we're not seeing a political government. We're talking about governing your life. Um, the word government in the political sense was taken from that sense of, I know how to make sound decisions for my life. I am governing myself. Governance includes vision. It includes strategy. It includes uh, um, compliance in the sense of understanding right and wrong. And so, this is what discernment is. It's sound judgment. It's being able to know right from wrong, and is really, in a spiritual sense, being able to understand God's voice from other voices. And so, discernment, this is what discernment's all about. And when I think about discernment, and when I talk to people about discernment, something really interesting comes up, and that is that people seem to take discernment as an either you have it or you don't kind of a reality. I either know how to hear from God and recognize His voice, or I don't. In fact, there are passages in the Bible that I have had uh, heard thrown in people's faces, um, and, and, it's, and, and you know, Jesus says, for example, in John, that if you are my sheep, you will know my voice. You will have discernment. And so those that struggle with hearing from God, suddenly it's like, oh, you're not God's sheep. And I have seen it done in a very prideful manner, as though um, there are some people that are better than others because they know how to hear from God, and then there are others who don't know how to hear from God, and you must be, um, I don't know, the, the kid who is just joining in the party, but you're not really part of the family. And, and on, on, on that side, I also see that some people have become so prideful about it. I know how to hear from God. And I must be a super Christian, whereas you are just inferior little person that is just off to the side. You, you, you don't really matter because, or, or maybe, maybe it's just like you are just, it's a bit condescending maybe. So there are those that struggle because like, I don't know if I know God fully because I don't know how to hear His voice. And then on the other side, you get those that are extremely prideful that think that because they can always perfectly discern the voice of God, they are allowed the liberties of living as a prideful Christian. A few years ago, before Beck and I uh, uh, were placed with Sam uh, as, as adoptive parents, we had this couple come to us, and uh, they had done some work, uh, mission-type work across the world, or uh, particularly in one nation, and they came up to us, and they said, God told me to pray for you to have a child. And it was like, oh, great, we're in the adoption process. Uh, our application is, is actually about done and is going to be placed before the committee. And, uh, and they said, no, 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 I, that's all good, that's all well. We've done adoption, we know adoption. God has said that you are going to have a child and we want to pray for you. A biological, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we're like, no, this is not it. That couple never came back to our church ever again. They have been attending for months and they, because the pastors of the church said, I don't think that that's God. They went, well, you know what? 
God said, and so I'm leaving this place. I don't know why they're turkeys, but totally in my mind. They walk like turkeys. They sound like turkeys. They are turkeys. And I've had so many people as a pastor come to me and said, God said, without allowing me to even have any input. And we're going to talk about that. I'm jumping ahead. But there's this sense that we take discernment as a, either you have it or you don't. And I don't think that that's how the Scripture des- describes discernment. Let me show this to you. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to 14, this is what the author says. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Now, if someone can become dull of hearing, it means that at one stage they were actually hearing. Do you see this? That means that at one stage you might have been discerning God's voice, but you can actually, as a Christian, slip backwards and become dull of hearing. Your discernment level can go up and down. It is not something that is static. It's something that actually changes. How does it change? What's this all about? This is what he says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Now, this is a high level, guys. When we are able to discern, we actually have the ability to teach others. That's why in this church we believe in relational discipleship because teaching is not what just happens here, but is what happens between people all through the week. We are all men to have this ability to explain the mysteries and the goodness of God. I'm getting passionate. You need someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Who are the mature people? How does the Bible describe maturity? It is people who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. It is training by constant practice. It's training your discernment by constant practice. Come on. Do you see this? It is training by constant practice, training your discernment by constant practice that brings about maturity. You know, it just brings to mind something about common sense. You know, we talk about common sense as though people are innately born with common sense. And let me just say, I absolutely adore my son, who I spent the last two weeks on holiday with, and he was a bundle of joy, it was so much fun, but there's one thing that I will say about Sam, is that he has got no common sense. He wasn't born with it. He wasn't. When he crosses the road, do you think he has the common sense to check whether vehicles are coming down the road? No, he doesn't. That's... You know, when the oven is on in the kitchen and he's running around like the wonderful bundle of joy he is, do you think he spots that the light is on in the oven and that he shouldn't go there? Do you think that in a crowded shop, if we got a Kmart and he is excited about all the different toys that he gets to play with for five minutes... Do you think that there is a common sense in his mind to say, I should stay close to mom and dad in in case they go somewhere else? He is not born with common sense because common sense is not common. It is a trained way of living. 
And when we become adults, we have been by constant practice doing all of these things to the point where we don't even think about it. When I cross the road, do I sing a little jingle? Look left, look right, and then look left, and now cross the road. Do I sing a song? Do I try to remember these things that by training help me to understand how the world works? No. I don't need to because it has become common to me because of common practice, a, a constant practice. Discernment is exactly the same thing. It is when we train ourselves, we practice day after day discerning what God is saying. That's how we become mature. And so when I look at this passage, the sad thing is that this was a church these were people who the author saw as really, really, really great when he was with them. Man, there's a whole bunch of awesome teacher-quality people in this church. And then he hears back after a while that they are slipping, and he goes, you guys should be on solid food, but I'm still talking to you about milk. I want you just to check, not as a condemnation, but if you were to rate yourself, are you on solid food or are you on milk? Have you been training by constant practice your discernment? Have you deliberately every single day been thinking about what is God saying to me? Do you know that a human being, the average human being makes 35 thousand decisions every single day. 35,000. Now, a whole bunch of them include things that are probably somewhat inconsequential. Am I going to have um, a vegetarian lunch or am I going to have a uh, steak? I mean, the answer is pretty clear. You go for the steak. Um, <laughs> you go for solid food. Um, it's, it's, things, it's, it's somewhat simple, but it's still a decision. But there are I don't know, there might be 10 decisions every day out of 35,000 that has spiritual significance. I don't know, we, we are unable to really nut out how many decisions, and, and it probably changes day after day, to be honest. But out of 35,000 decisions, how many are you letting God speak to you about? Because you know what? If it takes 10,000, uh, 10, I just went to Singapore in there, 10,000 practices to become a master at something. You know, someone threw that number out one day, 10,000 practices. Imagine if you could become a master of discernment in one day. If you just made every decision with God speaking to you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably playing around a little bit with it, but the whole point is this. Constant practice is constant practice. If your discernment is used once a week, that's not constant practice. Do you know, I became, uh, I, I graduated my, my, my piano, my grade 8 piano, uh, um, at the age of 17 because I practiced every single freaking day. An hour a day. Got home from school, I was playing my scales. Got home from church, oh, I guess I'll play those scales again. I did not become good because God gifted me alone. It was the gift with the practice that became something pretty awesome. I was a great pianist. And you know what? 
That was 17 years old, 20 years ago. I cannot play those pieces anymore, even though once upon a time, I was dang good at piano. <laughs> By the lack of constant practice, I have become good. Probably better than about 90% of you guys, which is, you know, I don't know where I'm going, that holiday mate is kind of creeping in. But do you get the picture of what I'm trying? Discernment is not something you either have or you don't. It's something you're either training or it's something you've just left to decide. And I want to show this to you one more time in Philippians 1, verses 9 and 10. This is what it says. And it is my prayer. Sorry, let me get this going. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to note this. Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says to them, it is my prayer that your love abounds more and more. How? by having more and more knowledge and discernment. It is because you grow in knowledge and discernment that your love grows. So there are many people in our culture that think that the day that they most love their spouse is their wedding day because everything is about them and you go to this wedding day and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and everything is just perfect because everyone is waiting on you hand and feet, hand and feet, hand and foot hand and foot, to make sure that your day is special, and it is special, but that is the day where your love is probably at its lowest point in your marriage. Because your knowledge and discernment of each other is actually, at is, in terms of your marriage, is at its lowest point. And so, as you get to know your spouse, and you figure things out, that's how your love is meant to grow. It's not meant to go, oh, you're not the person I married. Well, you just didn't know them that well. <laughs> Did you live with them? Did you see their habits? Did you understand how they thought? You did to some extent, and that's what dating is for, to try to ascertain whether this person you want to actually get to know more or not. Some of us don't understand that, and we think that love is just this powerful chemistry. It's not chemistry. It's work. And so... Paul writes, and, and why is love so important is because Jesus tells us, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The, I, I love this at the conference that we were at. One of the uh, things that was said was that, you know, we talk about signs and wonders following the teaching of the word. And this preacher said that, do you know that we are meant to be the signs and the wonders that point to God? How? Because we love more. We abound in love. Not because we are like raising the dead or like making trees fly around. We've got machines for that. How we love one another is how people know we are Christian. How we've got faith and how we grow in our love is through knowledge and discernment. This is something that we are meant to grow in. Discernment for discernment's sake is nothing discernment in following God's ways and abounding in love. That's what this is all about. Discernment isn't something I either have or don't. It is something I train and I grow in. 
And so how do we actually grow in our discernment? Now, there's a story from the Bible that I love, uh, partly because my son is named after this guy, but there's this dude named Samuel in the Bible, and he is a judge, a priest, and a prophet. He is the bee's knees. This guy literally changed the face of Israel. Israel was at a terrible point in its history, and Samuel comes along and he brings a massive revival. And so even before uh, Samuel actually started his ministry, this is what God wrote, uh, prophesied about him. We can read this in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 35. It says, And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he will go in and out before my anointed forever. Pretty cool prophecy. If you receive this prophecy, you'll be like, God and me are tight, right? This is, I will love this. I'll be faithful and I will understand God's heart and his mind and God is going to build me a sure house. This is great. And now we go to the very next chapter. In fact, I actually think it's like two verses later. And we come to a story where this prophesied, do that changes the course of the nation does something really strange he doesn't recognize god's voice we come to this next chapter 1 samuel 3 verse 1 it says now the boy samuel was ministering to the lord in the presence of eli who was the high priest at that time and the word of the lord was rare in those days and there was no frequent vision now we have this guy who God said, you will know my heart. And we come to the very next chapter when we find Samuel in the house of God, ministering already under the high priest. And we have this story where Samuel was asleep. And I think many of us know this story. And, and we find God calling out to Samuel in the middle of the night. He says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel gets up and he runs to Eli's room. He doesn't recognize that it's God. Now, this is the faithful priest who will do everything according to God's heart. And God said, Samuel! And he was like, Eli? And so he goes to Eli, and Eli is like, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. And so Samuel goes back to sleep, and the second time it happens again, he, he comes to, uh, um, he, he goes back to sleep, and God calls out again, and he says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel's like, What's this old dude doing? So he goes back to Eli. And now the second time around, Eli actually recognizes, hang on, something weird's going on. This must be God. So he says, Samuel, the next time you hear the voice calling out your name, say, yes, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel goes back to his room, and he goes back to sleep, and God calls out again. And this time around, Samuel responds, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Isn't it interesting that the man that God called didn't recognize his voice? Do you recognize that God has given all of us giftings and calling, and there are some of us that might not recognize God's voice? 
Some of you have had amazing prophecies or amazing things and you sense that God wants to use it, and rightly so. I don't think any of us should sit here and go like, God's just kind of jumped over. No, no, no. God loves you so much that He would die for you. He wouldn't save you to just be like, oh, you're kind of like the appendix of my Christian body. No, 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 no. He's got something significant for you. He's got a purpose in mind. But you can be called and still not recognize God's voice. You can be lying in bed and God can be calling you and say, oh, that was a nice dream. So what did Samuel need to do in order to recognize God's voice? He had someone else. He had someone else recognize the voice and say, you were hearing from God. Now, this reminds me of a story. I think it was last year I was speaking to my pastor, Pastor Joel, and I was saying, how do we train people to recognize God's voice? See, I said, I've been doing this series for a long time in my head, and I wanted to know, Pastor Joel, how do you train? And he said, you know what? Recently, um, I was driving with my son, and we were driving somewhere, and, and he said, no, uh, Dad, I don't know if I'm hearing from God and, 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 and I'm really unsure about what I'm meant to be doing with this. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm really struggling, Dad. What should I do? And, you know, Pastor Joel said that they, were, they just sat in silence for a little while. He just kind of felt to just, rather than give advice, he just waited for a few moments and then his son pipes out and said, you know what, Dad, I'm going to do a fast. I'm not going to play in the Xbox for the next couple of weeks, which was a school holiday. And I'm going to seek after what God is going to say. And Pastor Joel said, in that moment, he turned to his son and said, where did you get that idea from? Where did that idea come from? And he, the son just said, oh, oh, it just popped in my head. And he said, son, you were hearing from God. I wonder how many of us are actually hearing from God and we go, oh, it's popped in my head. I wonder how many of us are in the journey and actually hearing from God, but we are not actually going to someone else and saying, I'm sensing this. What is this? Should I do this? Is this what it is? We are so individualistic in our society that when we think that we are struggling and there are things that are going on and the heaven is like brass and no one's speaking to me, it's like, it's, no one's speaking to you because you're not speaking to anyone. Go to someone and say, I don't know what I'm meant to be doing. I think that all... Let's bring these thoughts into the community. Do you know that discernment is less of an individual experience and more of a community experience? Let me show this to you. In the New Testament, as I was reading through the Bible this year, something popped up that I was actually quite surprised by. And this is... Um, let me read this to you in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10. And this is all through the New Testament. Um, and this is talking about Paul on his missionary journey. Sorry, it's a bit small. Let me read it to you. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. They. So it says they, right? This was, there is never any point in the New Testament where someone says, I sense from God and therefore I did. It was always a they. It was always a we. There was a team of missionaries going through and they were going, I'm kind of sensing not to go there. It's like, are you sensing that too? I'm thinking the same thing. Well, it must be God. They were working together as a team. 
And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go through into Bithynia, but the Spirit of God did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and then a vision appeared to Paul. Now, one person received a vision. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia was, caught, was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision... Immediately, he went to Macedonia, leaving the rest of the people behind because he was a lone wolf. <laughs> Paul had the vision. He spoke to his team, and they went, I think this is God. And you see this time and time and time again in the New Testament. But read through Acts. Every time a decision is about to be made, is it a me or is it a we? Is it an I or is it a crowd? Is there a team around you? You know, discern, I think maybe partly why we are in a bit of a pickle for some of us is because we think that we need to decide everything for ourselves. And I was in this place just a few years ago when it came to lift and, and you know, with, with, with COVID breaking out and things were happening and it was really difficult. And I was like, man, what's this saying about me, the leader? And then I read a book that say that, the whole idea of one person hearing from God and therefore that is the man of God, that is how things work, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. The New Testament is always a team. Jesus didn't choose one person to take over his ministry. He had 12. One was a dud, so he had 11. And then he went and brought it up to 12 by calling Paul along the road to Damascus. And then there was a council in Jerusalem, and there was always at least two. There was Paul and Titus, there was Paul and Barnabas, there was Paul and Timothy, there was Priscilla and Aquila. There were always a team of people. Why do we think that following God is something that I should be able to do by myself? I did that once, you know. I was in my early 20s, and I was given my first leadership gig. I was going to lead the very first mission team of, of my previous church, and, and, and I was really stoked. Partly it was because my senior pastor couldn't make it, and so he was like, all right, Nate, you're going, and you're leading the team. I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Put me in, coach. And I went in, and I made terrible decisions. Decisions that ripped the team apart. Decisions that I was like, what were you thinking, you idiot? And I remember... I was saved because there was actually a terrorist attack in a, in a place that we were meant to go and so the trip canned. My dignity was saved because they're like, yeah, we're not going anymore. But I sat down and with Pastor John and he was like, Nate, why did you not talk to me about these things? I said, because I needed to prove myself. I needed to show you that I have the ability to lead. And he said to me, Nate, why do you think I put you in charge of this team? Because I needed to test you? Or because I knew that you were going to be capable of leading this team? And I was like, I thought it was the test. But clearly I'm wrong. <laughs> and clearly you're wrong. <laughs> but there was something in me that went, yeah. There was a poison in my soul that made me think that I needed to do this alone. Because if I asked for outside help, it would show that I'm inadequate, that I've got problems and I've got issues. Samuel, the guy who changed the nation, 
This is so interesting. You know, if God was going to change a nation and he had chosen someone, who do you think you would place him to be coached by? I would choose the best prophet in the whole land and say, you're doing a three-year internship under this person and you're going to learn and then I'm going to put you with another coach, the judge coach. So you've got a prophet coach, you've got a judge coach, and then maybe you've got a priest coach and you do a 10-year internship and you'll be good and well. Samuel served under Eli, who was one of the worst high priests in the whole history of Israel, who had proven that he was a terrible man because his two sons were terrible priests that God killed because they desecrated his temple. Oh, you'll do. I'll put Samuel with you. When I was thinking about this, I was like, God, you have no common sense. If you wanted Samuel to change the world, put it with a better coach. I wonder if there's some of us in this room that think that your future has been compromised and that you've lost so much because of a situation or people in your life that have disappointed you, that weren't as great as you thought that they were. And so you're like, I don't hear from God because of so-and-so. I don't hear from God because that happened. I don't hear from God because God placed me in this situation. Samuel had the worst high priest. It said that he was so fat that he fell over and broke his neck because of how crazy fat he was. How did this priest get fat? He was stealing the sacrifices of God, gorging himself on the worship of God's people. He was selfish. He was inadequate. And he trained up Samuel to recognize God's voice. You know, some of you are in this place are like, I want to learn the Sandman, but there's no one around me who can help well, you know what? Just go find Eli. <laughs> you know what? I don't know if I'm much better than Eli sometimes. And when we look at ourselves and we look at how inadequate we can be, it's like, how can any one of us be coaching someone else to become the man and women of God that God's intended to be? Well, maybe that's not the key thing. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit being able to be in any situation that can change anything in order to bring God's purposes around. If it was dependent on whether you got the best coach, then maybe most of us are stuffed. But if it's meant to be based on what Holy Spirit is doing, then it doesn't matter if you're sitting next to someone who's been a Christian for two weeks, but has a love for God and a hunger for God, that person can teach you how to discern. You know, there are times where I love stepping out of my life and getting around people because I'm just sitting around people who love God. Something stirs up in my heart. That's why you don't miss out on getting around situations and events and programs that get you around people who love God because that is where it rubs off. We need to get, where was Samuel when God first spoke to him? In the house of God. 
He'd grown up in the house of God. A terrible father figure, but he was in the house of God. He had a man who was selfish and a terrible dad, but he was in the house of God. And that was enough. And that was enough. Discernment isn't some kind of trick that you learn. Discernment is about taking your everyday life and bringing those experiments to the people in your life that you can talk to. I hope that this church is full of great people that are better than Eli, but if no one else, at least there's Eli. And you speak and you say, I think God is saying this to me. What do you think? And be humble enough for that person again. Doesn't sound like God to me. And don't, don't leave the church when someone tells you that you're not really hearing from God on one occasion. There are many times I haven't heard from God. As a church, we've been on a building search for the last year. I checked up five properties and none of them worked out. How many times did I miss what God was saying? Maybe five. I'm your pastor, guys. I don't have perfect discernment. But I'm probably ahead of some of you guys because of my job and the things that I've done. But if we trust and we work with one another, maybe through constant practice, all of our discernment is going to rise up. So don't you ever come to me. I'm going to put this out here. Don't come to me and say, God told me, without allowing me to say, yeah or nah. Okay? Fair? And I won't tell you, God told you, without allowing you to say, yeah or nah. Why not we just try to say, hey, I think, or I felt God saying this. What do you think? Can you pray with me about this? And if we start doing that, maybe we're all going to practice more. Right? Like, it's great for me to practice for myself, but if I have to also practice for you. You know what? There's sometimes a bit more weight having to practice discernment for someone else. I'll be honest. Like, for me, it's like, should I have the chicken or the veggies? Chicken. For someone else, chicken or veggies, oh, let me, let me pray for a moment. Let me just check. I think you need veggies. There's a bit more weight when it's someone else, and maybe as a community, we can actually really grow in this. What is discernment for? Is maturity. And so sometimes growing up and discerning God's voice is going to be uncomfortable because growing up sometimes sucks. I look at Sam's life and how Beck and I are there all the time. And sometimes it's a great life. He had four lollipops over two flights because we didn't want his ears to pop. And he was having a grand old time. Now he's asking for more lollipops. <laughs> he's got a great life, but you know what? He will grow up. And he's going to keep making decisions. Where was I going with that? And sometimes those decisions are going to be hard. Discernment is about growing up. And so sometimes I think we don't like bringing this to other people because we don't know what it's going to reflect on us. Or we don't want to hear what people have to say to us. 
We don't want to hear people say, you need to grow in this. You know, that time that Pastor Joel called me into his office after that botched mission trip, I sat there and I bawled my eyes out. It was painful to be in a place where I was confronted with my insecurity and my pride. And I hated that moment while I was in it. But I grew up so much because of it. Some of you need to start talking to someone else and saying, I need to hear from God about this. I need help. Or I've been journeying through this. And I need to discern God's voice. Over the next few weeks, we'll talk a bit more practically about different things. But before we start talking about how to differentiate between God's voice and this and all of that, I wanted to set the foundation. Discernment is not something you either have or you don't. It's something you train and you grow in. And discernment is not something you do alone. It's something you do in a community. If we can get those things going, I think that things are already going to start to really shift and change in our lives. And so today, this morning, we're going to have communion together. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.